Pushing Back Chaos with Mel and Mike and Raph. What's up? What's up, everybody? How's it going? This is episode 48, and you're hanging out with Mike and Raph. Uh, as you'll see, still can't see me, but everybody, let's turn attention to this beautiful man sitting by his window in his high rise. And uh looks like a Canadian, part of a Canadian tuxedo and a backwards hat. But he's not in Canada. He's way far south in Texas. Uh, where are belts there, Raph? I'm in the Midwest. I'm in Austin. Oh, Austin, Ohio. Oh, I thought you yeah. said Austin, Texas. Oh, you see, he gets his directions up. He he always says the uh, Pacific Southeast. He just he yeah. just can't understand geography really well. But it's all right. We still love you. So, dude, yeah, going, man, dude? I'm just uh, I'm just chilling out here in Austin uh, on a layover. Um, just just hanging out, man. Just been all over this beautiful country. Was in JFK for a night. Was in San Diego night before last. As a matter of fact, I hung out with our boy. Nick uh, Grossi, so yeah. shout out to Nick. Um, Nick. Went out, grabbed uh, grabbed some dinner, had really good conversation. Like always, man, that dude's still crushing it, uh, selling solar and just uh, massing some wins over there, man. Stacking wins. So yeah, man, all is good. It's good. You know, I I just want to point out that you know it sounds very awesome what Raf does. He travels to all these really cool cities. I think he's going to Maui soon, San Diego, you know, a couple a couple of different spots. It's like, man, that'd be cool to travel and kind of see it. Um to let you know who Raf really is. Uh we were texting about an hour ago and I was out grocery shopping and I was like, "Hey dude, I'll be back in a bit." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm going for a walk." Raf was literally the guy standing under a bridge in Austin staring at bats. Like he was just the awkward dude pointing there's no bats up there but he's just sitting there pointing like a child waiting for bats to come and they didn't come apparently because the sun's still up so he was very disappointed so as much as he rips on me for like little shit like if you ever see a random mexican dude with a backwards hat and half canadian tuxedo staring at under the bridge it's probably raf so make sure you go up and say hi to him thank you for your service and um... yeah there's a good chance that is me also mike can we talk about what you got at the grocery store and what's happening in your kitchen right now Absolutely. Can we, talk, can we talk about the inner fat kid that's that's on the other side of that lens? Absolutely. Uh, I well, I bought groceries for the week because you know I'm training, so I have to take my lunch with me because I can't stop. We don't really have a lunch break. You eat when you can, but I like to have an award for a reward for myself. So I got a packet of Nestle cookie dough, and instead of a bunch of little ones, I made six giant uh, chocolate chip cookies, and I like them like crispy on the outside and super gooey, so they fall apart on the inside. And then I like yeah. to have an ice cold glass of milk too after a long hard day of getting my ass kicked. Um, so yeah, call me a fat kid. That's totally fine. But I was gonna offer you some, but now I'm just gonna fucking eat them in front of you, and then you can sit there and, uh, you know, I don't know what are you having like, uh, what are you eating like some like twenty pieces of rice? What, what are you having? Twenty pieces of rice? No, man. I went to the Velvet Taco just down the street. <laughs> the Velvet Taco. Yeah, it's a real thing, dude. It's actually a pretty decent taco shop. Shout out to the Velvet Taco. If you guys are ever listening to our podcast, <laughs> one, you're in the world of hurt. Uh, two, shout out to you anyways, because that's awesome that you're listening to us. But yeah, they're just, they're off 6th Street. Uh, and our hotel is uh, like a block away. So it's it's pretty ideal. But anyways, yeah, dude, I went for a walk, as everybody should. Got my 10,000 steps in. And uh, so I went down by the water and I was waiting for the for the bats, but like we were talking about earlier, 
and they're really inconsiderate because those sons of bitches weren't coming out. So uh, I stood around for like 20 minutes and I was like, all right, dude, I'm over these bats. And I'm sure as soon as I walked away, they came out. <laughs> they knew you were there and they're like, no, nah, we're not giving this dude our satisfaction. Right. That makes sense. Racist bat. Yeah. Well, uh, let's jump into the into the uh, into the topic because uh, I know you have to go uh, a little bit early, so this is going to be a shorter episode than than usual. But um, you know, as everybody kind of knows, if you've seen on our page, in this uh, the other day, I did a uh, a Instagram live for the first time and went on and answered questions, which, which is going to be a new thing that uh, Raf Mellon and I are going to be doing uh, once a week, usually probably on Saturday or Sunday where we're going to open up and kind of take 30 minutes to an hour or whatever we can get in and have discussions about topics. Uh, it's your time to reach out to us, have Q and a, uh, and it's really just a conversation about some stuff with the listeners instead of, you know, having to talk just amongst ourselves, but we really appreciate like the live feedback and the comments that everybody's been sending in. Like it's been getting more and more. And, uh, one thing I'd like to do is just kind of throw a shout out to our new, social media representative uh, that we just brought into our team today, actually. Uh, her name's Stephanie. Uh, she's redoing our entire um, Pushing Back Chaos on all platforms, all, all the different artwork, all the videos, the reels, the pictures. Uh, she's going to be doing everything and trying to expand because honestly, it's very hard for Raph, Mellon, and I uh, to maintain sometimes because we're so busy. Like, as you see, Raph's always flying and traveling. I'm, I'm in the middle of... Uh, my work up and training melons seven hours ahead and doing what he does and on the other side of the world. So it's very hard for us to match up. Uh, plus, you know, these two have families and whatever else. Um, it's hard. So we finally brought a great volunteer in to help us out. Um, she straight up American loves military, loves uh, first responders, everything loves the mission that we're doing. And uh, you'll see her posting and, and adding some stuff in. So uh, if you see that, just know that's our new person doing it, and we're very, very appreciative. So, uh, Stephanie's listening. Thank you very much for volunteering, and welcome to the team. Uh, going on from that, with the uh, Instagram Live, we talked about, I talked about the topic of the month, which is mental health awareness, and kind of open up the, the Pandora's box on that with... Uh, focus kind of on, you know, just everyday struggles. I spoke a little bit about you know, what it's like just being a man in general, uh, what it's like being in the military, and then being in a specific role where, you know, you're, you volunteered or put yourself in a job or a role or position where you are exposed to massive amounts of stress, or, you know, <laughs> violence or death or something that's just like not normally healthy uh, for a normal human being. And having to deal with it and talk about it, uh, we talked about the stigma, you know, the stigma of like, nobody wants to talk about it. Uh, women tend to be able to talk to each other differently than men in a more healthy way. Like they're just kind of, you know, that more feminine emotional side and they're able to open up. I mean, let's be honest, Raph. I mean, we give some women one or two glasses of wine and like stuff's going to come out, right? Sometimes yeah. it's a benefit, sometimes not, but <laughs> Um, you know, they're just kind of built that way. And, and it's more of a connection. Men, on the other hand, we tend to be more like brick walls. And when we're around each other, it's like, I, I'm not saying you have to one up each other, but there's always like this sense of competition. And like, I have to be the strongest, I can't show weakness. I don't want you to judge me. Uh, everybody thinks I'm so great, or this person. So there's nothing I can show you that 
means that I'm I'm nothing less than perfect or less than how great I'm perceived or how great I think I am, right? And then we just bottle it up, compartmentalizing and bury that sucker until one day something triggers it or it just becomes too much and it comes, you know, it explodes out of you in a rage that you can't control and you're just along for the ride. So we kind of covered those things. And, you know, I mentioned that Raph and Melon have been there for me when I've struggled and, you know, just being present and listening to me, uh, giving me a hug, you know, uh, sharing their own stories or whatever. It just makes things better unless you know that you're not alone, uh, that other people are going through stuff too, kind of brings you back down to earth, shows you reality. And it, and it's just such a good uh, process, you know, that you go through when you have great people in your life. So I kind of covered that, but, you know, Raph, I'll turn it over to you, man, and kind of your initial thoughts on Mental Health Awareness Month. I like that they do a month to it, but I think it should be like a really a year long practice um, and, uh, you know, with one of solutions. And I think we can maybe talk about some solutions, too, that can defeat that stigma as well. But what are your thoughts on Mental Health Awareness Month? Well, first, I think you have a valid point. I think instead of uh, doing like one month a year, I think the focus should be like this is such an important I would go as far as saying it's an epidemic in our country, uh, Western society, that I think it's uh, valid to consider doing something we can check into periodically, you know, whether it's every month, every other month, but just something that it's where it's a continual, we're building on it, right? We're always talking about it because I, I do think that, um, I don't know, man, just from just from seeing our society kind of deteriorate a little bit, I just think the mental health is it's not something that's hidden anymore. I think it's very overt. I think it's very much in our faces. Um, but I think the symptoms are what we're kind of hiding. And so we're allowing these symptoms to fester and, you know, in these dark alone places that we find ourselves. And then by, by the time we open up, it might be a little too late. We might already done some damage, whether it's to ourselves or, you know, God forbid to our families, whether it's through, you know, um, isolation, isolating ourselves from them, that sort of thing. So Anyways, just anyways, I think you nailed it. I think there's something that's important enough, and it should be important enough that um, maybe something we should touch on pretty regularly, uh, because it's it's a real issue in our country. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, uber successful or, you know, you're one of the homeless people in the street corner of the city that uh, that you live in, smoking crack, right? There's mental health issue from it's a broad spectrum, and but it it. Um, it, it's not like it's prejudiced to anything. It's right. It's if you're human, you're you're going to be uh, exposed to it. So anyways, uh, so I've been reading this, but I'm actually going to give another plug uh, again. If he ever listens to our podcast, that, that would be awesome. His name is Dr. Peter Atia. He's been on the Joe Rogan podcast a couple of times, and he just recently wrote a book called Longevity, the Art and Science of uh, or I'm sorry, it's called Outlive. And it's the uh, science and art of uh, longevity. And in it, I mean, I literally just finished the book, but I, I, I'm so motivated by it that I'm going to go back and reread it again. So I read it in about three days. I just couldn't put it down. Um, anyways, in it, he there's a chapter where he talks about mental health. And the reason it stunned me was because if you know anything about Dr. Atia, he is literally, I would say, like the top 1% performing human. I mean, this dude's a former oncologist has a like a math degree from like some I forgot what university, but it's like a Ivy League school. I think I think Stanford maybe uh, was um, 
you know, he's like into math and analytics. And now he's kind of focused his, his energies into like uh, lifespan and longevity. Well, in this chapter, he talks about, he opens up the, the chapter on health span as being one of the pillars of like a healthy long life, right? An effective long life. And he shared some personal anecdotes. He shared some personal stories uh, that completely blew my mind because I didn't expect someone at his, I would say, pedigree, you know, that he kind of built to have these internal struggles. And that just that just solidified what I just said. Everybody can have these issues. And he names that one of the therapists that he's working with. His name was Jeff English. And he basically he he kind of surmised or he just kind of defined what mental health specifically trauma right because when we talk about mental health we're talking about we're dealing with some negative aspect in our life something that happened in our past maybe it's currently happening in our, in our present and so the perception is that's going to continue to happen in the future we're going to carry that with us and i'm just going to read right from the book and it says you know there's there's the big t and little t there's giant traumas like a rape maybe you witnessed a murder maybe you you almost got murdered and then there's little traumas and that's something like maybe take my son, for instance, Soren, let's say he's in the room and I completely just lose my shit. Um, that can be traumatic to him. You know what I mean? Like, because he's he's a helpless little dude. He's four years old. And, you know, what might just seem like like me releasing something verbally to him, I'm his entire world, right? So just, just it's important to kind of have that distinction that there's big traumas, little trauma, but collectively, you know, little traumas can add up to a big trauma, especially if it's, you know, if you have like a raging alcoholic of a father, or maybe you've got an abusive mother or maybe an abusive uncle or that sort of thing. You know, all these little incidents will add up. But more importantly, it's it means that you're especially for men. And now he's talking about why men have such a hard time dealing and expressing the struggle with um, with with overcoming trauma and kind of go, spinning down this uh, dark alley of mental health. And it's because it's experiencing those moments of, of basically perceived helplessness, right? Um, you take a child who's, who's beaten as a young kid, or um, I'll take you, for Mike, for instance, someone who loses a, a significant male role model like your father at such a young age where you're kind of like looking for answers and the man that's supposed to give you the answers isn't there all of a sudden. Mm. I would say that's pretty traumatic, right? And so that might, I'm sure that you compensated because everyone um, compensates different, differently. Like some people, uh, you know, some people fall to addiction. You fell to like saying, shit, I'm going to make something of myself to make him proud. But, I, but there's no doubt in my mind that there was moments where you probably felt like you were powerless because you didn't have that, that hero, that person to kind of like watch over you, tell you what to do, what to steer away from, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, but I thought that was a really good, example of describing really at the core you know especially for men at the core it's like that perception of helplessness which is the last thing you want to feel i mean think about it mike like if you and i were back in afghanistan and we were found ourselves in a situation where you know the the weakest part of a blackhawk or the the most vulnerable part of a blackhawk is literally seconds before landing and seconds before takeoff mm -hmm. and if we got hit during that time and you're on board you and i both know we're going to feel completely helpless I mean, you at least have the, the opportunity to like shoot out the side, you know, like open the cabin door and start firing away. But mm. I'm just sitting there, you know, trying to move this fat pig and get it into the air. And for those seconds, it's just going to be sheer terror. No matter how, how confident and how skilled and all this other crap, make no mistake about it. I, there's going to be complete terror inside of me. And it's because that perception of helplessness. And so when you peel it all back, that's really what 
trauma is. It's those moments of, I have no control over what's happening to me, which is why you think about rape, why it's so insidious. It's because these women and even men that get molested, raped or whatever, they have no control over the action that's being actioned upon them. I mean, there's nothing, can anyone think of a, of a worse feeling than that? Um, <laughs> probably, you know what I mean? It's just, so I, I really like the way they covered the this piece and he shared some, like I said, personal stories that really struck me especially from coming from someone who I would consider is definitely part of like the 1% of humanity, just high achieving, high emotional IQ, go getter, just all that stuff. And he, and he struggles, right. And like a life lifelong struggle. And he's just now kind of come to grips, you know, uh, at the time of this book. Um, and, and that kind of opened up some thoughts within myself. You know, I have trauma from my childhood. I don't ever openly speak about it. But there are moments where I know that the things that I decided to do were because of significant events that happened when I was a young kid. And so I think it's important to, again, it's a big, it's a big sphere. It's a big, uh, um, there's like a wide spectrum of, of mental health. Like we can relate it to, you know, stuff that veterans deal with back in Afghanistan, back in Iraq, back in Africa, you know, in the line of duty, police officers, nurses, the things that they see, you know, childhood trauma, maybe you have an abusive spouse. So there's different like themes or textures to it, but I think at the core of it, I would agree. And I think most people would agree that what they describe in this book, what Peter Tia describes in this book is pretty fucking spot on. Like it's, it's that feeling of like everybody hates to have that feeling of, of helplessness. And so for men, it's really tricky to try to open up and say, you know what? I had this moment of vulnerability. And the reason they say it's perceived, it's because the reality is, you know, and I hate to go down, down this dark road, but you think about a child who was molested. The perception is that kid was helpless. And to a degree, that, that child was. But listen, that child is going through, you know, a phase in life where he's a child or she's a child. And so, you know, they're not equipped yet to defend themselves. So in the reality, you, of course you were helpless. Like it wasn't your job to defend yourself. It was the adult's job to not be a total piece of shit. I mean, like, yeah, that's yeah. why they with the perception like the perception that's what eats people away like i should have done more and i and i didn't and i was vulnerable or whatever but dude if you're a kid that's not your job that's that's my job that's mike's job that's melon's job yeah to you know, to make sure that that doesn't happen to the children in our lives whether they're my blood children or just my neighbor's kids or whatever you know um so i i really like that distinction and i really like the way they defined it so anyways that that's uh that's kind of my thought on the mental health issue and i thought the fact that we're talking about and reading this book and literally I just finished this chapter a couple of days ago. It's still kind of fresh in my head. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was kind of appropriate. Uh, no, great points, Raph. Uh, there's two things that you said that I just read recently and kind of heard recently. Uh, so I listened to a guy, it was a Peter T you said, well, I listened to this guy. It was, I don't want to mess his name up, but Dr. Uh, Gaber Mate, I want to say his name is. Uh, he's a he's a doctor who was an infant and a prisoner within Nazi Germany. Uh, he was in a concentration camp as an infant, and he speaks on trauma a lot. Uh, if you go to YouTube and look him up, uh, G A B O R M A T E, uh, with a little hyphen in there, uh, he speaks on trauma a lot. And one of the things he said, uh, you know, is childhood trauma. So he goes, you know, hey, from a very young age as an infant, you know, I was born into a world where I wasn't good enough. Like I was imprinted with the 
feelings of I'm not good enough because I'm Jewish and therefore I should be exterminated or, you know, killed off. So he's like, I literally spent half of my life growing up and exhausting myself to prove that I am worthy to have a life, to be loved, to be appreciated. Because ever since I was cast out and proven that I wasn't worthy enough, deserving enough of something, which in that case was his life and being a, a human being, uh, he goes, I overworked myself my entire life. I was nice to everybody because I, I never wanted to be angry with somebody for someone to not like me. And it affected how I thought my whole life because of what happened as a child. So I was constantly nice to everybody. I was never mean to anybody. I never wanted to release those healthy anger outbursts uh, to relieve that stress. And he's like, what I found through my research is that unhealthy and trauma that has come from stuff like that, that's not dealt with is directly related to a lot of diseases that people uh, develop. So there's cardiovascular diseases, there's you know, obviously like mental health, there's strokes, there's high blood pressure, uh, high like your chances of getting cancer is bigger, like your body. So like these people are dying at like 50, 60 years old because they're so overstressed from trying to hold everything together and hold in their nervous system. It takes a hit, like literally everything. And, uh, you know, I, I listened to one of his speeches talking about it and honestly, I kind of related to it like and, and it was the thing I sent it I don't know if I sent it to you I sent it to Tony Sr I sent it to, to, to Mellon and he messaged me and I was talking about it and it was just kind of that thing of just like you know if you ever if you've ever tried for something whether it's a job and you didn't make it uh, and it's like your dream if there was a relationship that you wanted so bad and they just like cast you aside and it's like you never existed and you know, you're going to feel like a worthless piece of shit. You know, you're going to be like, I'm not worth it. I guess I don't deserve it. I'm not a good human being. And you and you go there. And I've honestly been there. You know, I've honestly felt like, well, obviously, I'm not good enough. Uh, I'm not deserving of love. I'm not deserving of this opportunity. I'm not deserving of whatever. And it was just like this fire that lit into me. And it's like, well, I'm going to go off and I'm going to be the best goddamn version of myself and i'm going to show everybody that i am worth it and it's this sucks to say dude but it's true i feel like exhausted um after trying to do that for a few years now like trying to show the people that like didn't want me like you, you know, it's the whole thing. Like you, you fucked up. Like you, I am worth it. I, I'm an amazing, you know, I'm an amazing human being. Look at all that I'm accomplishing. Uh, look at the the growth I've had. L look at what I've done. Look at who I've helped. Like just everything across my life is just elevated, 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 elevated. And it's like hitting the NOS button sometimes where I'm going so hard and I'm accomplishing so much. And I'm, my focus and my energy is at the high level especially with my job. Right. But then dude, at the end of the day, like I'm so exhausted and it's still like, I'm not satisfied. And that brings a layer of stress to me because my challenge for me is trying to find satisfaction, like trying to find a level where I can stop and go, dude, I'm doing really good and celebrate it. Like I can't, 
you know, like, and recently I did like a thing and, and it's, it could be a little thing for me or whatever, but I went out and, and traded my old, <laughs> my old, old Betsy, uh, truck in my old, uh, uh, pickup truck in, and I got myself a next size up and I got myself a new Tundra, you know, and the things like a spaceship compared to my old truck. And it's just, it, it's awesome. I love driving it, but it was like a gift to myself. Like all this hard work, I haven't had a new car in 12 years, you know, and it was like, man, I've, I've been working really hard. Look at what I've been through. I've really worked my ass off in all aspects of my life. I'm really trying hard. I want to celebrate. I need to stop and just be like, man, I'm doing good. And it was like, I'm going to go get myself a new truck and treat myself. And honestly, it was like a mental health, like little pick me up, you know, like, man, I earned this. I really worked hard for this. Like, this is a good thing. I'm grateful I have the opportunity. I'm grateful I have the funds. I'm grateful I have the the means to go out and buy a brand new truck. You know what I mean? Like, this is good. Um, but that struggle there with that the doctor talked about, man, I was like, man, that's really connecting. And then the second part you talked about, Raph, is you know, you're you're talking about like, you know, you get into these stressful situations that happen that you can't control, you know, whether we're taking off or when you're landing in the helicopter and it's like, oh shit, dude, we're kind of just along for the ride and what Oh my God. And it's insurmountable pressure. Well, that's why we're talking about this is because the thing that separates, you know, and, and I'm just talking in general here, if you were to put a normal person, general population in a helicopter and put them in that situation, they'd probably freak the hell out, be back there crying like, oh my God, oh my God, freaking out, right? The thing that separates uh, people like Raph and I is that we have trained for those situations. This is no different. If there are stresses and things that really hurt you, that hurt your mental state, that have really bothered you in your life and anything else, you need to train to face it, right? You can't just hide from it all the time. Like, I get it. I get it. Burying that stuff. It's like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want that side to come out. I don't want to talk about that. Every time I talk about it, I break down, I cry, and it's like I'm reliving it all over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's what professionals are for. You know what I mean? I'm not a professional. Raph's not one. Melon's not one. We're not psychiatrists. We're not anything. But through personal experience, it's like, man, I need to, I need to let that that those demons out. And I need to speak about them and, and then figure out how I can train myself to be more prepared for when it does come back around. Or when I do get in that situation and it's like overly stressed and everything's, you know, just the meter is is tanking so high. It's like, man, all right, I trained for this. You know, muscle memory might take over with some stuff. And it's like, yeah, I've prepared for this. I'm going to be okay. You know, that's the difference between, you know, worrying and avoiding versus admitting and preparing. Uh I think that's the difference with a lot of stuff. And, you know, over the last couple of years for myself, having these conversations on this show, being great friends with Raph and Mellon and a few other guys, uh, I've been training. Like, to me, this is a conversation, but this is training. Talking about it, normalizing it, being open. Well, dude, I failed at this. I don't know how to heal the, or handle this. What did you do? What can I do different? How can I do this different? You know, because I know you're, I know you know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Like, this is training yourself, training your brain, training your physiological reactions to stresses that happen when you acknowledge that they exist and then acknowledging that, hey, I'm not where I need to be to face them.
you know, I think that's a huge part. Yeah. And that's why on previous, previous episodes, we talked about the importance of everybody, not just men, but obviously we talked about it from a man's point of view is that's why it's really important to, to choose the men and women that are in your inner circle. Um, you know, don't, don't choose them for superficial reasons because they have the right amount of money or the homes or just all that, all that glamour and pizzazz. Cause really at the end of the day, that that's, that doesn't mean anything, right? The currency is going to be when you're in your shittiest day, I know that I can pick up the phone, whether it's you, whether it's Melon, whether it's Matt, you know, Joel, just, there's a solid group of friends that I could call at any time, any day and be like, dude, you know, I'm having one of the worst days of my life. And without mm-hmm. a doubt, the names I just named off would be like, I'm on my way, you know? Yeah. Um, and again, I could, each of, each of those names I just named off, you know, even Elliot, everyone's got a different profession. Like, you know, the, 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 that's, it's not a current, I don't care what you do. I don't care how much you make. I don't care what you drive. I don't, I don't care if you have any tr- tundra. It's the least of my worries. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the person. So yeah, take that for, you know, take that, that take that or heed that as advice. Um, and then you kind of, if I just build on what you just talked about, uh, you know, it is important to kind of build, I think Mellon said it best where he says, you want to, you know, learn to stress yourself by doing hard things, right? Because you're basically raising the the tide so that when traumatic things happen or something that's really difficult happens, you, you've already kind of, you've got, a, you've got a baseline that is already there to kind of uh hopefully deal with most most things but like anything else there might be something that you're not prepared for and it's okay to sit there and say that you're not prepared for it it really is okay it's okay to you know take a knee and cry or make a phone call or just or or just don't do anything just sit back get on your knees and pray and meditate or if you want to meditate meditate and and then seek guidance from people that you trust or, you know, whatever, but just the key of it though, is you don't want to go at it alone. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions. And I also think it's one of the the deadliest things. Um, when we talk about veterans that commit suicide is they feel like they're all alone. Hmm. And that's the furthest thing from the truth, because we all know that if that veteran picks up that phone and just calls a friend, any one of us, we'd be like, the first thing I'd say is like, man, I love you. And if you're talking about doing what you think you're going to do, don't do it. Like, just don't, don't do it. Cause you're worth more to us alive and intact. And th- then, you know, being, being at your funeral, like that doesn't serve anybody any purpose. And I know that we would all something along those lines, we would tell them like, dude, you're, you bring so much value to everybody in your life. Like, I know you don't see it, but just trust me when I tell you, like you are fucking where you need to be, you know, you're just, you're in a struggle and, and we're going to help you out of this. But Anyways, I think it's it's insidious, right? Because you think, well, no one no one knows my pain. I'm in this by myself, and it's it's. Dude, listen, we're like seven point three billion or whatever billion people on this earth, and we all live this world like we're individuals. But the truth is, we're kind of in this shit together. Like we're we're all. I guarantee there's other Rafa Spinozas that are going to through very similar similar things you know but in our little monkey brain we just think it's just us you know and even more so for men we like to isolate ourselves because you don't want to manifest our weakness to the world we don't you know we don't want to show people that i'm weak and that yeah i I was addicted to pornography like oh god forbid you know raf was addicted to pornography like you know what a what a turd yeah it was a turd man you know doesn't mean that 
wrap the person as a turd, it means that I was doing some turd things. But at least I acknowledged them and said, you know what? I can't I can't go down this road. Yeah. I have to fight this fucking demon. Um, and that's everybody, you know. So, so some people it's food and they just get they lose control of their body and their and their body mechanics. And then for other people, it's maybe it's a they can't hold their anger back and they're having, you know, just they're just losing their minds and they're screaming and they're shouting. And unfortunately, might be in front of kids. And now, you know, that's kind of going, you know, now you're it's transgenerational, right? Now you're passing that trauma over to like the next generation, which is the, the last thing you want to do. I mean, if you're a decent human being, you don't want to do that. Um, but yeah, I just just kind of building on what you said. Uh, yeah, I think well, that's something to point out. Well, we're definitely not alone because, you know, pulling up statistics right now uh, for 2023 alone, uh, more than 50 million Americans are currently struggling with mental illness. One in five young people ages 13 to 18 has or will develop a mental illness in their lifetime. Youth depression rates have risen from 12.9% to 25.2% from pre-pandemic to 2021, currently to 2023. Uh, most Americans lack access to adequate mental health treatment. 54.7% of American adults with mental illness did not receive care in the last year um half of all mental illnesses show early signs before a person turns 14 years old and three-fourths of mental illnesses begin before the age of 24 uh and more than one in four adults living with serious mental illness also struggles with substance abuse uh that was the one thing that that uh uh the doctor i mentioned gabriel uh, matei talked about is you know when we have these traumas and these mental illnesses and we can't, uh, we don't have access. We don't have the money. We don't have the time. We don't have the confidence. Uh, we worry too much that if we admit that we're struggling, that we're going to lose our job, that we're going to have our children taken away, that something's going to negatively impact our life and our family and our whole life's going to come crumbling down. That's just fear. You know, that that's a major fear. Uh, I know I talked on the military on our Instagram live thing was, you know, the number one fear of military members is that if I go to counseling or I admit that I'm having mental health issues, uh, they're going to fire me. They're going to pull me out of my position. They're going to ground me from flying. They're going to do whatever. And they're going to uh, ruin my career and I'll never recover because everybody think I'm like this, this head case. It's like, no, dude, that's not the truth. Like there, there are so many things involved now within counseling. And I only know this because I've gone and I've experienced it and lived it. Uh, I've asked all the hard questions. I've been worried that my career that I worked so hard for was going to get shot down the drain, that I was going to, I was worried I was going to get medically retired from the military because of stuff that I've been through. Like I, I get it. And I asked the hard questions and I went and found it out for myself in person. Um, these things are in place to save you. And there are good, decent human beings that are there to help our our active duty veteran, our active duty military, our veterans, our LEOs, our first responders, general population. The problem with it right now is the quality and the time because so many people have gone into uh, depression and have mental illnesses, especially the last couple of years post COVID. Because a lot of people during that, you know, <laughs> the lockdown and everything else, lots of people lost people they lost their jobs they lost their sense of purpose they couldn't go outside they got overweight like that's a huge one and when you're in these stresses what the doctor talked about he's like you find coping mechanisms 
most of the time they're not healthy. Like people that are like go and work out. That's cool. Like that's a healthy one. Hey, I'm depressed. Go and work out. You'll feel better about yourself. It like biologically is, is wonderful for your body and your reaction and your system. But what's free, what doesn't take a lot of effort or what costs very little and is highly accessible? Alcohol, drugs, pornography. Uh, men will use women to feel good about themselves temporarily, like to get that adrenaline rush. Women will and use men. Yeah, women will use men and vice versa. Social media. Hey, I feel like shit today. So I'm going to post a nice picture of my, you know, my ass and titties and my Pomeranian puppies or whatever that makes me look like this uh, stripper or like whatever. And I'm going to post it. So everybody just drools over me and I'll temporarily feel good about myself. But then guess what? I wake up tomorrow and the feeling's still there. So what do I do? Well, I guess I'll do it again. And that's how addictions start. And he goes into very well, uh, <laughs> Very well, like very detailed discussion about coping mechanisms and addictions and how it really eventually leads to diseases and mental health disorders and that are, you know, almost permanent. And it just makes you think, man, of just like, okay, well, what are some other ways? And we can get into this real quick to kind of end the show, but uh, what are some other ways, solutions that we can do and pursue to beat that stigma? And to not fall down the rabbit hole, like you talked about, Raph, like your struggle with pornography. It was like, yeah, dude, I was addicted to porn. Like, how did you get out of it? What, what was the changes? Like, what are some other positive things that we can pursue to better ourselves and, and pull ourselves out of that hole instead of reverting to the easy, accessible shit that's, you know, you know, it's like eating fast food, right? It's like, oh, yeah, it's fast. It's easy. It's cheap. I'll go eat it. But none of it's good for you. All right. And it's going to make you a fat, lazy piece of shit with heart problems if you keep eating it. You know, it's the same with all this other stuff. So what are some things that you think could be regularized or is that a word regularized or normalized? It is for you. It is for, you. It is for me. Yeah, yeah. It's a Bushism. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> what could be normalized? In strategy. Yeah, yeah, strategy. Yeah. Um, what can be yeah. utilized at work in our society and our friends groups and our families? Like what are some things well, we can do? So I think the, so that's a great question. And because I know we're trying to wrap it up because we're trying to keep this one short. I would start with, and this is my own opinion. I'm not a therapist. I'm not Dr. Aaron. I'm not that good looking. I'm not, also not that smart. <laughs> uh, I would start with peeling out the things that aren't good. Like, honestly, like you start with, uh, I don't know if you ever follow or if you know a guy named Jeff Cavalier. He's got Athlean X. It's a big workout athletic uh, um, organization. He's always putting out free content on YouTube. And I've been following this dude for like a decade and a half. But there was something that he said probably a year ago that I was watching those videos and, and it resonated. And he said, you know, people always talk about all these biohacks to get stronger, to get a bigger chest, to do this, to do that. And he's like, and he's not saying that doing those things aren't going to get you there. He's like, but you should always start when you're going to go into this journey of trying to get fitter, stronger, what, you know, better physique. You start off with getting rid of the stuff that's not good for you. The stuff that's actually holding you back. Right. And is uh, impeding your progress in that direction because squatting is going to give you a stronger squat. But if you're not, you know, if there's something else that, you know, that you're not doing, like maybe you've got a weak core, maybe you don't have the mobility in your ankles, you know, yeah, you're going to get a strong squat, but you're also going to start, you know, effing up your spine and jacking up your hips and all this other stuff. So 
anyways, he's like, stop, you know, stop eating sugar, stop eating bullshit, stop drinking and stop before you go into this journey of like self improvement, start with peeling back the stuff you don't need. And so I would say in terms of like more specifically for me, like with the pornography thing, I had to kind of start with peeling back the things that are holding me back. And one of them was, you know, because it, it's, it's a cycle that just goes, you know, it's a perpetual cycle where like, you know, whatever my reasons were, you know, my, my, the, I had this distance, the sense of distance, because, you know, by this time I was on my second, third, second deployment. So I'd already two full years plus workup cycles away from my wife. So we've already kind of grown apart in that regard. So there's this distance, both mental and physical. And so first I had to get rid of the idea that we were, that we were, that we were separated, right? Because in my mind, it's like, well, she's a thousand miles away and I'm here and we barely talk on the phone. So, so what's it matter? Right. As soon as you say that, what's it matter? Yep. The devil's got you by the nuts. Yep. So, so I started with that. It's like, I, I did what I could and it, it wasn't overnight. It literally took me months, if not damn near a year to get rid of that thought out of my head, you know, and it doesn't matter that I was far away. You know, I would, I would look at pictures of her. I would think about, I would uh, kind of regenerate memories of her because one. I, I'm not trying to be corny here, but um, one of the greatest sounds on earth for me is her laughing. I love her laugh. Like every time she laughs, it literally puts me on a fucking cloud. Like her laughs to me are super contagious. And so I would deliberately think of moments where I said something or did something and she would laugh. And that helped me kind of build that bridge where I felt like a connection, even though she was thousand miles away or wherever she was. I, I just, I felt the connection, you know what I mean? And again, it was all in my head, but it helped. So I would start with that. Mm. Um, and then obviously I wanted to create a path and I, and I, I wanted to create a, why well, there was a, a path that I was wanting to take. And so I had to create this image of what I was going to look like or what I was going to feel like and who I was going to be. And so that kind of helped me give, I don't know if this makes sense, but that kind of gave me direction. Like I knew like, okay, if, if, um, you know, stoic graph is someone who doesn't look at porn, who doesn't, you know, speak ill will of people who doesn't, you know, do list of things. Well, what are the actions that will get me there? And, you know, as simple as it sounds, I started, I started by doing really hard shit. Like I started, you know, at the time I was trying out for selection and uh, I was having these long rucks. I mean, long, long rucks, like, you know, 15, 20 miles different types of environment. And in those times of like pain, there was also a lot of peace. And in that peace is where I would, like, I, I was kind of building my, my, my self-worth, you know, like just kind of saying, you know, you could do this. You could be that person you want to be like, you're, as a matter of fact, you're every step you take forward, you're getting closer to that, to that man, to that person. Um, and then, and then again, going back to the, the spirit of peeling shit back, let's be honest, man, all the variables for a fucked up life are so, they're all over us, right? The the proliferation of pornography. I mean, it's literally, there was a comedian who said like porn is literally just hovering in the earth. It's like all over the sky. And you, it's just basically, as soon as you press the button, it just gets sucked into your phone. He's like, yeah, you don't see it. But if you look up, there's just like porn everywhere. But he he did it really funny the way he said it. Um, there's also social media. You talk about the isolation piece, you know, COVID. Also pre-COVID, we're kind of heading in that direction. But I think COVID was the accelerant that uh, people needed to really be isolated. And then oh, yeah. they got codependent to their devices, right? And now it's like more normal to text somebody versus just call and be like, hey, man, just want to hear your voice. Like, 
it's almost awkward if somebody calls before they text. And I hate that I feel weird about that sometimes. You know, I'm like, dude, what? Text? Dude, dude, real quick, there's literally people that if you go to call them, they hang up immediately. They're like, that's weird. Like, don't don't call me. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Are you like, what's yeah. wrong? And you're like, I don't I don't talk on the phone. I only text. I'm like, yeah, that's a problem. Right. That's, that's more common now. Like it's that's that's scary. But yeah, do you go ahead? Yeah. So, yeah. So that destroys obviously real connections with people because you need to be in the room with that person to really build a relationship to like, you know, have the eye contact, you know, squaring your shoulders, laughing together, crying together, whatever, man. Like there's something very powerful, something very innate about being in the room with somebody at least once or as many times as possible versus just, you know, texting or whatever. Um, the other one is like, well, I'm just going to be honest, man. It's obesity. It's an, that's the other epidemic. Like, there's so much like metabolic disease that leads to cardiovascular disease that le leads to, uh, you know, neuropathy that leads to fucking type two diabetes, type one diabetes, like just the list goes on and on and on. But it starts with obesity and obesity is something that's completely preventable, completely preventable, you know, like just eat less than what you need. So if you need 2,600 calories, eat 24, 25, track your macros. It's not the greatest thing, but you need to understand that like right now, the way the food industry is designed, and I'm not trying to demonize the food industry, but just the way they're designed, you know, the, the way we were built for survival by, you know, building, and I'm not going to get into that, but just, there's plenty of books on it, but you know, we're designed for long, like we're designed to live in harsh environments. That's literally how our bodies were created. So we were designed to hold so much sugar in our blood system and the rest would go straight uh, through the liver or whichever organ, and then it turns it into adipose tissue, right? So it basically stores energy through fat because fat as an energy source is like 50 times, it holds like 15 times more energy or something like that, whatever the, the numbers are. But, but the food that we eat now is not like it was a couple thousand years ago, right? It's super refined, fructose, sucrose, all the other fancy, you know, uh, words. And so our body doesn't really know what to do with it. So it's like, Almost if you stop and look, almost everything you eat has some level of sugar. So you're just inundating your body with sugar. And so eventually a lot of us become insulin resistant. And then next thing you know, you start to get lethargic. And when you get lethargic, you lose energy and motivation. And now I'm like, fuck, now I got no motivation. So as soon as I go from work, I'm tired. I don't want to work out. I'm going to go sit on the couch. You know what? I've had a long day. I'm going to have a beer. Well, fucking alcohol is the worst thing you could do, especially if you're out of shape. And it's just this vicious cycle, just like pornography, man. Once it gets the claws on you, Fuck, man, before you know it, you put on 40 pounds, you know? Yeah. Um, and so obesity is a, and if people think it's not a national security issue, you're you're insane. Listen to all the proponents out there telling you right now that the military is having a hard time recruiting. One of them, I think, really has to do with the mindset of the nation, but the other is just physically, kids aren't fit. Like they're just not. I, I remember seeing a picture of kids in their 50s. Dude, these these dudes look like men. And then they compared to like kids today and like the late 2000 or, you know, 20,000s or whatever. It's like, it was just crazy. It was like this little Antifa kid. And then you've got this dude who was like, just chiseled out, you know, doing pull-ups and, but yeah, man, I, I think that's the other, I think obesity, you really have to consider that a threat. If you, if you're, if you stand in the mirror and you don't feel confident in your body, then you really should take some action and do something about it because you know, you could buy a Corvette, you could buy a Mercedes, you could buy all these, you could have all the money in the world, but if you're not comfortable in your body, none of those things matter. None of those things matter, right? I think, I think the best thing you can do for yourself is being able to stand in front of the mirror 
butt ass naked and be like, I'm proud of that body. I work for that body. Yeah. That body's strong. It's not the strongest, but it's strong and it's able to do some shit and it can get me out of a fire and it can run down, the, you know, whatever, whatever your body can do, you, you know, you want to be proud of it. And so put in the work. But anyways, I'm off the soapbox because uh, I don't want to be here all night. But yeah. No, all, all great points, Rav. I really agree with you about the physicality thing and, you know, building, <laughs> building your temple. Right. And it's just like, take care, take care of it because you only get one. And if you're not feeding it and giving it nutrition and workouts and like everything else like that, of course, it's going to, it's going to degrade and it's going to give you problems. You're going to have a shitty time. You're going to be fighting health problems instead of focusing on like, what am I going to do today? Can I go to the park and then just enjoy this nice weather? No, because I'm out of shape and I have heart problems now or, you know, like whatever. Yeah. So, or I can't walk, I can't walk right. You know, whatever I have knee problems because yeah. I'm so heavy. You know, yeah. There's all kinds of different stuff that's definitely going. So phys physical fitness is definitely a physiological fitness. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my points to wrap this up would be, and I talked about it on the live portion, but leaders need to lead. And not just in any community, but in my in my opinion, this this country, leaders need to lead. Uh, and we need to practice uh, empathy and sympathy more while leading. So we need to put in the, I believe we need to put in the work. Like you can't talk to me if you're not doing it. Like that that's with anything, right? If, if, a, you know, I'm not getting on heavy people, but like if a fat person's up in front of you and they're like, you need to hurry up and work out and you need to do this. You know, it's like watching a football coach. There was a football coach with the Cleveland Browns a couple of years ago. And literally he'd be like, hut. And like every time, time he said hut, his belly would literally like jump. Like there was an animal in it. And he's yelling at these like world-class athletes of like, you need to be faster. Hurry up. Hut, 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 hut. And it was funny as hell that people made like into a funny video. But it's like, dude, you you're losing all accountability. I'm not gonna leave, I'm not gonna listen to you. Like, look at yourself, dude. How can you preach to me if you're not even doing it? Like, at least give me show me some effort that you're doing it. So in that case, leaders need to lead. You need to be out there. You need to again, we're not gonna be perfect, but you need to be out there. You need to you need to be in shape. You need to be speaking and making things regularly talked about. Normalize it, right? Beat the stigma. Like, dude. I, I talked about, it. I'll go into work like once a month, maybe, maybe a little bit, maybe twice, depending on what we're doing. And I walk in and I, and I just, Hey, how's everybody doing, man? Is everybody stressed the hell out? Like this, this, these are some long days. We're working 20 hour days. We're doing this. We're doing that. How's everybody feeling? Like no shit. And then before anybody even answers, I put out how I'm feeling and I'm honest. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm freaking exhausted. Like I didn't sleep well. I didn't really, I don't feel like hundred percent recharged over the weekend that we got off, you know, like, dude, I'm freaking tanked, you know? And plus I'm dealing with this. Like I have, you know, I had to move. I, I got a new truck. I had to, I had to go over here. I had to switch bills. I had to do all this other shit. I'm like, I'm stressed out. Like, does anybody else feel like that? And then dudes look at me and they're like, oh yeah, man. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling it too. And then it's like, the leaders have to lead. You're not going to get vulnerability unless you give vulnerability. And I talk about that normalize the stresses so that it's okay in the space and you set the environment for that stuff to be talked about. And once people feel that, Hey, I can, I can come out and talk about what I'm dealing with. Dude, that's half the battle, right? Cause now you just truly connected with another human being. You're not connecting jobs or positions. You're connecting as human beings and it's saying, Hey, Hey, I'm here for you. I care for you. Like, dude, just let it out. Like, I'm not going to judge you cause I'm going through the same thing. You know, that's sympathy. That's empathy. We're lacking that as as uh, as a culture and in society. I think we're either taught 
hey, grind away, be this hard son of a bitch, and don't be a snowflake, right? And then the other side's going, don't be a toxic, toxic, toxic masculinity male and be, you know, be a soft male. Don't be violent, love and peace and everything else. And it's like one extreme or the other. And again, it's like, man, no wonder like we're depressed because if you're so toxic, you have no connection to like a woman or a children necessarily because you don't know how to turn that shit off. And that's, that's a mental problem. Or if you're so soft that you don't know how to like you're not hard, you, you don't know how to defend yourself, or you can't defend a woman or children or anything else, that's a mental problem. That's going to fuck with you either way, right? So understanding that your role and responsibility and redefining who you are in this path, like Raph said, like he wanted to see what stoic Raph looked like. Well, this dude's in shape. This guy's got his mind together. He knows what his values are. He knows who he's supposed to be for his wife, for his child, all these different things. That's what we need to realize. And then leaders need to take the forefront and fucking lead. Like, don't be the yeah. guy that's in crazy shape with a six pack trying to like speak on a soapbox. And then you look at all these other people who are way down below you that aren't in shape, that are overweight. And you're like, y'all are pieces of shit, man. And you're just fucking lazy. You know, it's just like, dude, yeah. that's not a leader. You know, yeah. you're standing on your soapbox saying how great you are. Like, why don't you shut your arrogant mouth and get down there and grab these people and say, hey, come with me. I will show you the way and actually put the time and effort in to lead the people that you care about. How about you try that once? No, because that's hard. I don't give a shit. That's what you need to do. That's what you need to be for the people that are struggling. Because guess what? No one else is going to do it. No one but you. And you need to act like, and the last thing I really like, just a mental aspect about life. Pittsburgh Steelers, former Steelers, James Harrison. He was a linebacker for the Steelers. Two-time Super Bowl champion, just a phenomenal animal on the field. But he spoke about this from Coach Dick LeBeau, who was a Hall of Fame uh, defensive coach for the Steelers. He said, I want you to prepare, train, and play as if the entire game was on your shoulders. Every single one of the, the those players on there. And, and, dude, if you looked at those teams like 2008, 2010, with the amount of talent that were on the Steelers defense in particular, it was insane the type of people they had on there. And every one of them bought into that of being, hey, this entire game rests on your shoulders alone to get us where we want to go as a team, as a culture, in a direction to win Super Bowls, right? Everybody bought in. Can you imagine what one person would be like if they acted like I need to get out of this and hone my mental abilities, release my struggles and really carve myself into the person that I'm supposed to be and that I want to be one person. Now take 11 people on a defense that are all firing on all the same cylinders and that are communicating and wide open about every aspect of their life. That's a dangerous team, right? Think about that with your family. What if your family was able to do that? What if your friend circle was able to do that? What if your teammates and colleagues and coworkers at work were able to do that? Imagine what you'd be able to accomplish if you had a leader that can instill that mentality into you and your team. That's what we're lacking. That's my opinion. Leaders, get out and lead your people and do the work. Do the work and lead them through it. Not stand on your soapbox and show them where to go. Do it with them. Be leaders. 
and, you know, help people that are struggling become something better. So I'll leave it there because I'm getting a little passionate. <laughs> well, if I, if I could just add something uh, before you close out, um, just to add to what you're saying about the community, it's not just important because we're saying it's important. There was a study done on centenarians, right? So people that lived a hundred and beyond. And one of the most significant variables that centenarians that, so these are people that not just lived a hundred, like they're not just sitting there strapped to chair. I mean, these sons of bitches are like out there playing tennis and fishing and like they're doing things at a hundred, a hundred. I think the oldest lady was like 114. But one of the things that was undeniable was their, their, their ties to the community. They had a really, really, every single one of them had a, like had literally ties to, it was like multi-generational. It's uh, so specifically there's two villages, one it's in Okinawa, which is down in Japan. And then one in Italy, kind of the Mediterranean. And that's where they have this like concentration of centenarians. And again, it had to do with just the impact of you connected to that community. Because when you had an issue, like let's say you came up with cancer, it wasn't you dealing with it alone. You had an entire village that was behind you going, dude, we're going to beat this. We're going to beat this. You know, you're not in a room by yourself in the dark going, fuck, I got colon cancer. Mm. I'm fucked, you know? Um, and then the last thing I'll, I'll say is, uh, again, from that book, uh, Outlive, which, again, I highly recommend to everybody. It will change the way you look at fitness, longevity, your health, the way you sleep everything uh there's real data i mean like real anecdotal data in here where like they break down you know meta-analysis and all this other crap like 20 pound brains and uh peter does a really good job dumbing it down for people like me the other one is um he he was basically talking about uh well the, one of the therapists is a guy named uh, terry and he was basically saying that like the reason it's important if you're listening to this podcast and you're dealing with some sort of trauma like mental health issue and you can't find a purpose to turn to turn the issue around. Here, here's a reason. And I'm just going to read directly from the quote. He said, Terry wrote this thing where he says, family pathology rolls from generation to generation like a wildfire in the woods, taking down everything, taking down everything in its path until one person in in a generation has the courage to turn and face the flames. Mm -hmm. Right. So they're basically just saying like that trauma that, you know, maybe your grandfather, like maybe he was a regional alcoholic, passed it on to your father, then maybe that your father passed it on to you. Well, it's your turn to either fucking continue the status quo or find the courage, find the help, find whatever to, to not pass it on to your kids, to not pass it on to, and believe it or not, 20 generations down the road, they might be talking about you like, dude, thank God for my great, 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 great grandparents or grandfather, grandmother who decided to like say no to whatever the, the uh, you know, the thing is that you're you're trying to overcome. So it's not just for you, it's for the generations ahead of you because this will go down the road. Like it's, there's no way it's going to stop with you unless you do something about it. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, don't, uh, don't be the status quo. Get uncomfortable, yeah. make a change. You know, you don't want to be that person then responsible. You know, I, I always tell my guys at work or whatever, you know, just upholding the standard. It's very high and it's very hold. The, it's very hard to hold it, hold that bar up so damn high for whatever. Don't let it be your generation that lets it fall. Don't don't do it because it's not about you. It's about everybody that's gone before you to make this world the way it is for us. Whether it's your family, your friends, your teammates, whatever, right? They've put in so much work for you to to do it. You owe it to them. You owe it to yourself, and you know it. You owe it to the present 
people in your life that really truly love you and care for you. Like you are worth it. You know, you, you do matter. And, um, yeah. you know, you I just reach us if you're having a hard time, literally shoot us and shoot us a message. Yeah. You know? Feel free. Uh, we've already yeah. had we've already had multiple people reach out, uh, active duty and veterans, and even non people that are just you know, hey, I, I'm not military or anything, but I listen to your podcast and this really resonated with me. And thank you so much. And you know, like, how can I go about this way? Please do it. Like that's that's why we're here. And you know what? If we don't have the answer, we have great people that are great references and that we can get you counseling. Um, yeah. I know some at work. Uh, we have Dr. Aaron. Like she's a counselor. She's already um been referred multiple people from the podcast that she's working with currently which is just awesome so if you're listening great job on you for asking for help she's an amazing freaking doctor amazing person um okay. samir you're a lucky son of a bitch and <laughs> i hate i hate samir so much <laughs> but just kidding, uh, man. i love you brother you're 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 one of the best actually great. <laughs> we love you dude yeah they're a great they're a great couple to be honest they're just great people man they're a power couple 100 yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah um but you know if if you're not tracking for active duty or for veterans out there you can now dial 988 which is the veteran suicide hotline and it will go and direct you straight to mental health and they will do it i have called it before uh to help other people and given them their information and uh coordinate to get them scheduling for counseling for appointments at the VA and to get these people legitimate help, uh, in their worst, darkest moment. Uh, it is a real thing. It is not a Hollywood thing. It is not something that's on the news. It is not a made up thing. It is not a political thing. It's a human thing. And we need to take care of each other and make sure that, uh, we practice humility, empathy, and sympathy for one another as human beings and get each other the help that we need because if we're not then what the hell what the hell are we doing in our life so yeah. if you have yeah. any questions comments or anything please leave them uh below uh on the show on spotify on apple podcast whatever um we'd love to hear from you all the time and we look forward to hearing from you next uh next episode uh hopefully melon's back uh and he's out of the farter and uh i don't, I don't know what he's doing but hopefully he's back It'll probably be Mellon next week and Raph will be gone. You know, that's how it's been going. I'm talking about consistency. It's affecting my mental health when I have to look at different people every damn week and we can't just be a team, you know, but I'll get over it. I'll get over it. So until next week, take care and uh, we'll see you then.